I'm Sarah Cicchetti. I'm a Principal Product Manager at AWS Identity. Uh, welcome to the AWS Identity Leadership Session. How many of you is this your first session at this year's reInvent? My earlier, my late risers. Very nice. I hope you were all at Midnight Madness last night. And how many of you is this your very first reInvent conference of your whole life? Yeah! Awesome. Welcome to Las Vegas. We're very, very happy to have you here. So we're going to start off with a little uh, overview of how information security and technology have changed uh, over the course of my career uh, and over the course of many of our careers. So it was not that long ago that we thought of information security as a corporate firewall, a castle which we had to protect. We had to put a moat around. And things were very simple because the only thing you had to protect was the workplace itself. So back then, security looked like a corporate firewall. Identity was limited to employees. When we talk about resources, we were talking about maybe hundreds of resources and maybe a few buildings. Compliance was limited to employee password policies. Administration and operations were centralized in one place. And the cloud was something that was up in the sky. Obviously, that was a very long time ago. And quite a few things have changed since then. People are using mobile devices that are outside the network that can't VPN in. We've seen the consumerization of IT, where we no longer have to uh, do IT just for our employees, but also for our consumers, our customers. We've seen globalization, people working from all over the world. The Internet of Things. When I get up every morning, I log into my car before I go to work. We're seeing new privacy laws. We're seeing microservices, things like applications that can't hold on to secrets. We're seeing SaaS applications. And of course, the cloud has changed all of our lives. So now, we live in an internet-connected world that looks like this. And it's a very different place from an information security point of view. Rather than just having a corporate firewall, we're moving to a system that we call zero trust networks, where we have to authenticate everything. What that means is that the network itself is actually a weak indicator of whether someone is a malicious attacker. Whether they're inside the network or outside the network doesn't tell us anything about whether we should be afraid of the things that they want to do. There are people outside the network just trying to get their work done, and there are people inside the network who might be trying to exfiltrate data. Identity is no longer limited to employees. Now we have partners, contractors, applications, microservices, things, and of course customers, which we're going to talk about later. We no longer have hundreds of resources. We now have trillions of resources. And they're global. They're all over the place. Compliance is no longer just employee passwords. We're looking at new privacy regulations, like GDPR and CCPA. We're looking at student regulations and healthcare regulations. All of these have to do with compliance. Administration is far from centralized. Our developers are decentralized, and they have to be agile. They have to move quickly. We have to empower them without ceding the control of our systems. And lastly, the cloud, of course, is still up in the sky. But many of our customers now have hundreds and even thousands of accounts. So what is the key? How do we secure everything in this new internet-connected world? The key is identity. You can't do information security right without doing identity right. 
And this isn't just identity for people, this is identity for applications and identity for hardware. So all of this may seem very intimidating. It's a very complicated field. Identity is very wide and it's very deep. And you may want to wrap yourself up in a corporate firewall blanket and say, I don't want to think about it and I want to go back to the 90s. But I am here to help you. We're going to have a good time over the next hour. Uh, I love identity. I am fascinated by it. And I am here to tell you, along with Jim Scharf, our vice president of AWS Identity, about all of the tools that we have built for you to help make this process easier for you and to help you understand how AWS works and the story of how and why we built it. Thanks, Sarah. OK, so when we're talking about identity in AWS, uh, really it boils down to we're trying to answer the question of who can access what. And so when we talk about the who, that's really the area of identity management. So we're, who are your users? How are they authenticating themselves? Is it with username and password, MFA device, uh, signing keys, those kinds of things. The what are the resources in the cloud that your users are trying to access? Uh, in, in the old days, you know, as a corporate user, you might get access to a, a few number of resources, maybe a, a print queue, email uh, inbox, uh, SharePoint server, that kind of thing. Uh, but now in AWS, you might have, uh, you know, there are thousands of different types of resources, ranging from S3 files, EC2 instances, uh, Lambda functions, et cetera. And so access management is really where you tie together the two. You tie together the, the users with the resources, with the policies of saying who can access what. And we'll go deeper into each one of these as we go through this talk. But as Sarah said, we, we have customers with now not operating in a single account, but operating across many accounts. And so we think of you know, multi-account governance is helping you govern access across your range of your accounts in your organization. So let's go uh, first into that multi-account governance area. Okay, so an AWS account is basically an isolated tenant within AWS. It's where your resources uh, are homed, uh, and by default, it's a share-nothing environment. It's a zero-trust environment. So what that means is nothing is shared outside that account unless you explicitly grant access uh, to share. Uh, and, you know, that's fine, but the challenge becomes as more, you add more and more accounts, how do you organize and govern those uh, accounts? So what you want to do is put them in some kind of structure that makes sense to you and your company. Uh, you might think about this in terms of dev and test, uh, or you know, projects uh, or different service, and you may want to collect these accounts in a way that makes sense to your organization. And then, of course, you know, the way probably most of us uh, are most familiar is kind of having a hierarchy of this organization. And so you may want to create uh, those ovals kind of signify organizational units, uh, which may signify, you know, on the left you have uh, production, on the right you have dev, you might have different projects, blue and red, uh, and you, you want to group your accounts according to that structure that makes sense to your uh, corporate organization. 
And then once you do that, what you'd like to be able to do is set a policy, whether it be at the organizational root or at a particular organizational unit, and have those, those policies apply uh, to all of the accounts that are underneath that organizational unit uh, within your organization. And what this allows you to do is to set up powerful guardrails uh, that your developers can't exceed. Uh, so if you know, in, de in development you wanted to set a policy that uh, you know, developers couldn't you know, uh, access S3, if you set that up in the dev environment uh, at the dev OU, uh, none of the accounts underneath uh, would be able to do that, for example. And so we've launched uh, the, the service AWS Organizations, which allows you to do exactly that. You can programmatically manage and define your organization, uh, create accounts via your API. Uh, you can control access and, and permissions to those accounts or uh, you know, within the structure of your organization. Uh, it's set up to help audit, monitor, and get you information for compliance uh, for your organization. Uh, we're adding more and more capabilities to make it easier to share, uh, securely share resources across accounts within your organization. And then you can essentially manage costs and billing, because uh, as you set up this organizational structure, the billing side of the house will roll up your uh, billing according to uh, your organizational structure. And then if anyone has used uh, the AWS Control Tower service or the AWS Landing Zone solution, Underneath, uh, under the covers, what you're actually using is AWS organizations. Okay, so that's interesting at the high level, but let's look at a few specific examples of how uh, organizations uh, can, can help you uh, control access across your company. So this first one is really kind of, you know, from a security mindset. So if you think about audit logging, what you really want to be able to do is set audit logging on for either entire OU structure or perhaps your entire organization uh, and make it so that all of the audit logs uh, are funneled to one central place where your security team can an analyze all that audit data and then have it so that no one, no account in that organization could turn off the audit logging. Uh, why is this important? Because if anything happened where someone got access to that account that shouldn't have, what's the you know, first thing they're gonna try to do? They're gonna try to cover their tracks and turn off audit logging. With the power of organizations, uh, AWS organizations, you can set that policy uh, up for your entire organization so no account can turn off audit logging. So when I talk to security-focused uh, customers, uh, this one is usually an eye-opener, and, and this in itself is usually uh, enough drive for them to go try out organizations. But it's not just security, it could also be for cost management. So uh, if you're using, you know, for tagging for uh, your cost reports, uh, it's not really that effective if your developers can launch EC2 instances without tagging them. But with AWS organizations, you can set a policy that makes it mandatory uh, for the developers to tag the EC2 instances with certain tags. So for example, you might want to tag it with cost center or a project name or something like that. But it's not just that. You can think of, uh, there's a wide, again, these are just sample use cases, but one of the most interesting ones I came across is, uh, came from Amazon Retail, uh, who's setting up their use of organizations. 
And I don't know if you've heard, but Amazon Retail has uh, just completed migrating off of all Oracle uh, relational databases. Uh, and so that's a pretty big accomplishment. We've been pu public about it. Uh, there's a video up uh, about it. But if you're Jeff Wilkie, who's the CEO of Amazon Retail, what's the one thing you don't want to happen now? You don't want some new developer to join the team and spin up a new Oracle instance, right? And unwind all that work. Uh, but you do want to enable them to use the AWS purpose-built databases like DynamoDB and Aurora. And so you can do things like set policies like this, saying can't use this service, can use these services at an OU or root organization level, and that cascades to all the accounts underneath uh, uh, that tree. So with that, talk about governance. We're going to now talk about identity management. So identity management is the who of the who has access to what. This is how we manage all of the people that are in our organization and our customers. So in the beginning of AWS identity and access management, which was actually Jim was part of the team that founded uh, AWS IAM, we have resources and we have services. And we need to give access to these things. And the way that we do that is to create users and have those users assume roles that have permissions to do things in the account. And these users generally log in with a username and password. They can also use multi-factor authentication. When I log in in the morning, I use YubiKeys. I keep mine on my earrings. These are YubiKey Nano 5s. Uh, we just had, we hired a new business development manager from Texas. Uh, do you know what they call more than one YubiKey in Texas? YalbiKey. Do you know what they call a whole lot of YubiKeys? All YalbiKey. <laughs> so we had, I don't know, I'll stop, I'll stop. Uh, so we had AWS IAM, but then we told customers, you know, it's a really great idea to keep your dev and prod accounts separate, to have a blast radius around those, and to create lots of different accounts for all of your different projects. And it became difficult for them to manage all of these credentials across all of these accounts. And they said, it would be really great if you built us a tool where we could log into everything at once. So we built a tool called AWS Single Sign-On. And it leverages AWS organizations, the governance structure that Jim was talking about, to allow you to have one place where you log in, and you get to all your accounts, and you get to the AWS SSO user portal, which allows you to log into third-party applications uh, using your AWS credentials. So this is things like Datadog, Zendesk, things like that. And you can either hook it up to an on-premise Active Directory, uh, an AWS managed Microsoft Active Directory, or you can use a native SSO credential store. And that credential store can have adaptive uh, multi-factor authentication. So that was good, but people said, well, I use the command line. I don't log in through the console. So just recently, we have announced that we uh, now have AWS single sign-on for the command line interface and for the AWS mobile console application. That just came out recently. And then we had other customers who said, well, but I don't keep my identities in AD, and I don't want to type them all into AWS. I have a cloud identity provider that I use how do I hook that up to AWS single sign-on so that I can use my Okta identities or my O365 identities with AWS single sign-on so that I can get access to all of my AWS accounts? So also just recently, we have announced support for SAML. 
So now you can use any SAML provider to get into your AWS single sign-on console with all of the identities that are in your web, your cloud identity provider, wherever that may be. And also, this is really exciting. You'll be excited once I explain it to you. We have support for skim, which is not just a terrible kind of milk. <laughs> it is a protocol that does user provisioning. So skim allows you to uh, take identities from your cloud provider and normally when you use SAML, when you get into AWS, AWS only knows about those users after they log in. Uh, with Skim, we can import them all at once. And it takes a few minutes, but then you have all of your users and you can write policies about them, you can tag them, you can put them, put, uh, connect them to resources. Uh, so it's very exciting. This is working end to end today with Microsoft Azure AD. And we are actively working with Ping Identity, Okta, and OneLogin to get this implemented uh, very shortly. Do you guys want to see it live? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll drive, you talk. Okay. So Sarah is going to uh, represent uh, someone named Jamie Jenkins, who is already a user uh, of O365 and has a uh, login in Azure AD. Uh, so she's gonna come in in the morning, log in with her uh, normal username and password uh, for Azure AD. And, yep. and now she gets into her uh, MyApp portal in uh, Microsoft Azure. And you can see maybe she would check her email on Outlook or do some tasks or what have you. But you can see her administrator set her up to use uh, AWS. And so she's going to uh, click there and single sign on into the AWS SSO portal. And so what's happening right now is some negotiation via SAML. Uh, and you'll notice, though, the key point is she didn't have to present a new username and password to get into here. Now, she just landed. This is the address SSO uh, uh, portal. And you can see her admin here set her up uh, with uh, access to a couple different address accounts, uh, production one and a staging one and uh, the couple different roles in each uh, that she'll need to do her job. So she's gonna click on the EC2 admin role, and that's gonna take her into that particular account using that role into the uh, AWS console, and then she'll click on EC2. And now she's gonna come into the recently updated uh, EC2 console where she can go about her work, launching some EC2 instances, et cetera. And one of the important things uh, to note here is if you can see uh, there, you can see she's coming in and she's reflected as Jamie Jenkins with her whole uh, username uh, from her Microsoft Azure configuration. So the, the key takeaway here is no uh, re being represented with username and password. She just signs in the morning in Azure and goes on through. And as uh, Sarah was mentioning, with the, uh, the mobile application and uh, CLI, this all works with those uh, experiences as well. And then her admin uh, also uh, set her up to use some other third-party applications here uh, configured uh, uh, to Datadog. Uh, well, you see Slack and some other ones there. Uh, but she can log uh, in there. And again, she's single sign on, signing on into Datadog. Uh, and if you look down bottom left there, as Jamie Jenkins. So 
you really, the, the key point is we're not, uh, it's a very seamless user experience uh, and uh, really good for the end user. But let's take a look about how you, into how you would set this up as an administrator. So Sarah's gonna look in, uh, log in to the administrative part of AWS SSO. And she'll go to the settings. And uh, you can see there's a new uh, setting there for identity store, an external identity store. And this is what we uh, just added uh, this past week. And so uh, she can configure her external identity store, and down below is some information about the SAML metadata, et cetera. And then uh, authentication is done via SAML, which is an open standard. And here is the information uh, that's needed for that exchange, both from the SSO side, as well as from the Azure AD identity provider side. And then the information for the SKIM uh, user provisioning. And so uh, the skim, as I was saying, is all the users that were in the Azure AD uh, directory are being uh, provisioned over here so that they're known to AWS and you can set access control policies uh, around what they can access. And again, all by open standards. Yay! So we're really excited about this one. Uh, you know, some might tell you, hey, you must just use one identity store, one uh, identity store to rule them all. Uh, we believe that you know, it's a really heterogeneous world out there, and what we're aiming to do is provide customers maximum choice. Uh, so if you want to create and provision identities within AWS SSO and its native identity store, you can do that. No other directory is required. Uh, or if you want to uh, provision identities in your on-premises Active Directory, or use our hosted AWS managed Active Directory service where we take care of things of fail like failover and backup for your AD, you can do that. Or as of uh, this past week, if you want to use a, a third-party identity provider uh, such as Azure AD and, and with Okta, Ping, and OneLogin coming soon, we can do that as well. We're really excited to embrace these uh, open standards because uh, that's part of what enables this interoperation uh, for the end users uh, in the identity world. Uh, and the, the, the key thing about SSO is thinking about this is where you can centrally control access for your identities across AWS accounts in your organization. And one of the interesting uh, tidbits that uh, the Azure AD folks shared is uh, access from uh, Azure AD into AWS is one of their, is their t number one uh, largest app by number of companies using it. And so with this release, using these open standards, we just made it easier for a whole lot of customers. So really excited about it. Hope you go out and try it. So everything we've talked about so far has dealt with workforce identity. Uh, creating identities for employees, developers, contractors, partners. Uh, we have a product called Amazon Cognito that is all based around consumer identity. And people ask us frequently, are you really actually investing in consumer identity? Is that something that is important to AWS strategically? And where you will see AWS investing is in places where we see that we have something called undifferentiated heavy lifting. What that means is that uh, we're solving problems that are hard 
and we're solving problems that don't help you with your business. So if you are a music business, you want your developers making better songs. If you're a video business, you want them making better videos. Travel, make better vacations, right? You don't want to have to deal with logins. Consumer identity is a textbook example of undifferentiated heavy lifting where you should really be outsourcing it. It doesn't differentiate your business, and it has to be done well, it has to be secure, and it has to be scalable. So you will see us investing heavily in consumer identity. Uh, we think that we've only scratched the surface of what these experiences can be. So let me talk to you a little bit about what we're doing today. Right now, we can uh, take care of all of your native users. So we will host a sign-up, sign-in, and account recovery pages for you. Uh, we will store those users and their credentials for you and handle all of their logins, as well as adaptive multi-factor authentication. If you know that your users are using a different product or service and most of their identities are there, you can federate those users in using OpenID Connect or SAML. And lastly, if your users are using social providers, uh, you can log them in using Google, Facebook, or log in with Amazon. And there's a new way of logging in that was announced this year by Apple. It's pretty exciting. Uh, anyone who has an Apple device can obviously log into that device with their Apple ID. But once you get into an application, you have to have some other way to log in. This year, Apple announced a new product called Sign In with Apple that takes into account the security posture of the device itself so that your application can be more secure and allows the user, if they're already logged into the device, to magically be logged into your application. If you are a customer of Amazon Cognito, you got this feature included last week for the same price you're paying now. So these are the sorts of things that you will see us releasing in the future. As we see innovation in this area, we are going to work on this so that you don't have to so that as consumer identity gets better and better, and it's very important that it gets better because that's a big part of making the internet a great place, we will handle that and we will pass it on to your applications uh, without you having to write a line of code. So with that, uh, let's talk about the things and how to manage them. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, so managing identities, uh, although an important part, is just one part of that overall equation. Uh, so we also need to manage resources you know, from files, S3 uh, files, EC2 instances, et cetera. And we have thousands of different types of resources uh, across AWS. And again, you know, you know, in the old days, an end uh, employee might have access to a small number of resources, but the cloud is really changing things. So we have routinely have customers uh, that might have you know, tens, uh, or even hundreds or even thousands of accounts. Uh, we have customers that have thousands or even tens of thousands of EC2 instances. Uh, customers with billions of S3 objects. And we have customers that have trillions of items in a single DynamoDB table, uh, all of which can be access controlled. And then of course, they may be running you know, a small number to even thousands of workloads that they're moving to AWS as they move all uh, all their stuff over to AWS. And so the point here is we're reaching uh, a, a completely different scale of things. And so while AWS provides very fine-grained access control at the uh, per-resource level, uh, and that's a powerful tool to use uh, uh, in some time, managing that at scale across your entire uh, company can be a challenge at times.
So we really need to look for a way to simplify how to manage those resources. And this is a whole other area that we're investing in. You're going to see a lot more coming from us in the future. So if you think about it, it really boils down to a few, few uh, simple steps. First, you need to find your stuff. Uh, so find all, you know, if you're working on a Project Blue, find all the resources that belong to Project Blue. Once you have that, you want to organize your stuff by grouping all the resources that belong to Project Blue, uh, other resources that belong to Project Red. And then you want to manage your stuff by only granting access to developers on Project Blue uh, to access resources uh, that correspond to uh, Project Blue but not Project Red. And so what is the mechanism we use to do that? Well, we have this fundamental uh, capability in AWS called tags. Uh, and a lot of people think of tags for billing, uh, but tags are not just for billing anymore. Uh, so you can use them to, to tag resources that, and they will roll up for your billing reports. Uh, but increasingly, you're going to see them, uh, you see them used for discovery and management of your resources, as well as access control to your resources. Uh, so this is pretty powerful. Uh, but now if you're going to use tags for access control, it's really important. You know, it's one thing to have a billing report that doesn't, isn't quite right and finance kind of gets a little upset and you can kind of resolve it uh, after the fact. But if this is involving uh, access control, it's really important for us collectively to think about tags a little bit differently. Uh, and so it's really important to make sure that your developers are tagging things correctly. So to that end, we're really excited uh, to uh, launch tag policies, uh, which allows you to standardize uh, uh, tagging of your resources. So on the left, you see with that red X uh, misspelled project bool uh, typo, uh, you can make that uh, not allowed, and project blue is uh, an allowed tag uh, value. What's really important is this is integrated in across uh, all your organization, so you can set the tag policies at the org level. And so here again, you're starting to see the integration of these different services, uh, trying to make it a, a better holistic uh, environment for you. Uh, and then you can get a audit of tag resources uh, and, and ones that don't comply as well. And so this one is uh, we're really excited about. And uh, I don't know if you know uh, this, this cloud pundit uh, named Corey Quinn, who puts out the uh, This Week in AWS uh, newsletter. Uh, but basically, he, he, you know, he can come up with a critical, snarky take on pretty much any launch we do. But on this one, he called, this one's a legitimately awesome release. Uh, and so if we can kind of get him interested and, and positive, I think you should uh, go, go back and, and have your teams uh, look at this one. So we're really excited about it. Jim has said the words legitimately awesome like 50 times in the last week. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about access. Normally we do this in the order of who has access to what, but we're putting access last this time because there's a launch at the end of this one. All right, so uh, in access management, you specify services, actions, or resources that people can uh, have access to under certain conditions. So for example, you could allow developers to use Amazon EC2 to launch new instances, to launch within a particular subnet, but only in approved regions and cost centers. And this interacts with tags in an interesting way. It allows us to do attribute-based access control. So traditionally, access control in AWS has revolved around roles. It's been role-based access control. 
Now we can use the attributes of the people in your organization to tell us what they should have access to. And this allows us to simplify our permissions. So building off of Jim's example, if we have three teams, red, blue, and green here, we can make a tag policy that says anytime you create a resource or launch an instance, it has to be tagged with your team and your cost center. And in your policy, that can actually be a pronoun. You can say your team. So you don't have to say, this is Jamie, and every time Jamie creates something, it has to be team blue. So you can make one policy that requires all of these people to organize all of these resources and to create access structures that can help your organization. And what that means is that you have one policy to manage instead of hundreds, which means that your environment is more secure because it's much easier to reason about and understand one policy. And new, just recently, we launched session tags, which means that if you're coming from a third-party identity provider into AWS, your information will follow you into AWS. So you can pass in user attributes as tags and make them specific to each federated session. People's access adjusts as user attributes change or new users are added to your directory. And this is a request we've gotten a lot. AWS can now log attributes in AWS CloudTrail, enabling you to track the identity of a person in a role session so that you can figure out what they did. So we have seven great partners who worked with us, uh, collaborated with us to be ready when we launched. That's Ping Identity, Autho, RSA, ForgeRock, Okta, IBM Security, and One Login. So a big round of applause for these folks for making the internet a better place. Uh, one of the things I like to say is that the, the identity community, uh, if we were a kindergarten student, would get very, graded very poorly on works well with others. We're particularly bad at that particular skill. This is one case where we all uh, pitched in, we all worked together because we know that these problems need to be solved and that we have to work with each other in order to make these experiences better experiences. So you've probably heard the, team, the term least privilege. Least privilege is a principle in information security that says we need to get the right access to the right things at the right time for people to do their job and nothing more. But how do you know that you're giving least privileges over time? Typically, when you're in a development phase, you want to widen permissions because you don't really know what people are going to be doing yet. And then you want to shrink them as you move to production and get more uh, productivity out of your team. How do you know which permissions you should shrink and which you shouldn't. We've built a tool that helps you remove unused permissions. So you can identify the last service accessed by a user and new as of this reInvent. Uh, you can look at the roles last used timestamp so that you can remove unused permissions with confidence. So I think of this as like Marie Kondoing your AWS account. So I don't know if you guys have heard of like Marie Kondo, like if you want to unclutter a room, like you touch everything in the room and if it sparks joy, then you can keep it and if it doesn't, then you throw it away. Uh, this is how you do that with your AWS account. You say, look, I created that role six months ago and it has never brought me joy. I'm gonna get rid of that role and now my account is more secure. Now I am uh, more accurately respecting the principle of least privilege. 
But this was not enough for many of our customers. They said, well, that only tells me what I've done in the past. It would be really, really great if you could build a comprehensive tool that could tell me everything that is possible about access to my account in the future. And we said, that sounds ridiculously hard. It sounds almost like undifferentiated heavy lifting. And so we hired a bunch of PhDs. We hired a bunch of math nerds. And when they started working on this, they told us what they were working on. And we said, well, how did you do that? And they said, don't worry about it. It's fancy math. So Jim is going to show you uh, what fancy math has given us. So we're really excited uh, today to, we today, uh, just uh, an hour ago, launched IAM Access Analyzer. Uh, yeah. And what this does is it analyzes uh, po your policies from uh, S3 buckets, KMS keys, SQS queues, IAM roles, and Lambda functions. And we'll be adding support for more resources over time. And it uses formal mathematical methods to analyze all possible paths uh, to uh, determine what uh, access it would ha you, you'd have. Uh, really looking for what could have access outside of your account to stuff that's inside your account. And it's using a type of cognitive science called automated reasoning. Uh, and we're really proud of our automated reasoning group. They've been doing some great stuff internally for years. And this is the first time we've uh, productized it as a, a, a service. Uh, and uh, the benefits, so fancy math is impressive, uh, but really what are the real benefits for the customer? One, as you'll see in a second, it's extremely fast. You can analyze thousands of policies in just a few seconds. And as Sarah said, it's comprehensive. So it's not looking at past usage to predict future behavior. It's analyzing all possible uh, paths and doing a proof and determining uh, decisively what could have access from outside. Uh, and as I said, this is the first time we've uh, launched uh, something like this. And it's the first uh, cloud service using automated reasoning. And I'm sure there'll be more in the future. But really excited to have these assets and this talent that we have in AWS and expose it uh, and make it available to all builders, uh, available to all AWS customers. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned, but it's available today and it's free. Uh, so definitely encourage you to uh, check it out. And you'll see it in the IAM console, and it's also integrated into the S3 console and uh, the security hub. So uh, would you like to see it? All right. OK, so you'll see we're in the IAM console. And you see on the left-hand side is how you get to it, this access report section. And we have access analyzer. So what Sarah will do is go and create an analyzer. And she could apply some tagging, but she's so excited since it's just launched right now, she's going to take the defaults. And within a couple seconds, what it's going to do is analyze all the policies in her account. Now, Sarah's been working on a project, and she's really uh, concerned. She wants to take a special look at data in S3 buckets. So she's going to look at all uh, policies applying to S3. And then she's working on a specific project, so she's going to uh, filter by this MB4 resource and see those two policies. Uh, so the first policy uh, is uh, just read access from her corporate IP. 
And that's expected, and she anticipated that, so she wants to flag that and archive that so she doesn't have to uh, trip across this one again. Uh, she can always get back to it later. Uh, but this next policy seems a bit suspicious. Uh, it's granting uh, right access, uh, ability to uh, change permissions, and ability to tag. So this seems a little fishy, so she's gonna drill into it more because she didn't anticipate this. And sure enough, she looks over on the right and sees all of the methods uh, that uh, this has permissions to, and she's, you know, she's really concerned that that was not what she intended. So she must have made a mistake in, in setting up the policy uh, earlier. So what she's gonna do is go uh, straight over to the S3 console, and then she's gonna go to the permissions and go to the bucket policy. And so the first part of the policy makes sense, uh, but the, the issue here is this S3 put star. So that, uh, you know, when I, one key is look for the stars and, and that's probably where you might be a little bit more expansive than you intended. Uh, and she, what she really meant was uh, put object. So people could deposit uh, files into S3, uh, but uh, not do those other things. She'll, so she'll apply, uh, apply that. And then she'll go back and refresh the, uh, in the access analyzer and now see that the uh, uh, status has been resolved. And then she can go in uh, and uh, view her, uh, just you know, see what's there, and she now sees that it just has write access and that's what she intended. And then if she wants, she can go archive that and then you can see the tabs there. They have you know, archived and resolved issues, and she could go and unarchive or unresolve if things change later on. So anyway, this is available now. Uh, definitely uh, encourage you to go use it. Uh, and uh, you know, we're really excited because you know, one of the things we've heard is just like, hey, getting this right, I don't want to have to be a policy ninja to, to get all this uh, uh, access control right. And so we're gonna to continue to invest in tools like these to make it easier for customers to uh, figure this out on their own. Was that awesome? Are you guys happy? So we're not just investing in tools and technology at AWS Identity, we're investing in people as well. Uh, we think that the identity community is incredibly important to what we do, it's incredibly important to the security and the usability of the internet. The identity community has changed a lot, just like information security has changed a lot over the last several years. As an industry, it's transformed from like the Wright brothers flying a dinky little plane uh, into the modern FAA. Uh, identity systems are more scalable and secure than they've ever been. Identity teams have more diverse perspectives than they've ever had before. And Amazon is proud of this progress and we consider it our responsibility to keep this momentum going. So to do that, we've become a strong supporter of the Women in Identity organization. This is a nonprofit. Uh, you may not know that, identity, that AWS Identity has two women at the director level. Uh, we had the two top speakers at this year's Reinforce conference. So Reinforce is our annual security-based AWS conference. That was Becky Weiss and Bridget Johnson. Have any of you seen them speak before? They're pretty great. They're gonna speak this week. If you haven't caught them, caught them yet, you should. 
so we're helping other organizations understand how AWS gets out of the way of awesome women who want to change the identity and access management industry. Uh, and we are helping them to train other companies to do what we do. So uh, in that vein, we are having an event this week on Wednesday. It's from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Encore. We're going to have uh, lightning talks. We're going to have chocolate tasting and wine tasting. Uh, and we're going to have security-themed jewelry making. So uh, this is a very exciting event. Allies are welcome, so please don't feel like you have to be a woman to come. Uh, and we do encourage you to come. AWS is also supporting a nonprofit called ID Pro. This is an organization that I co-founded. It's a nonprofit along with uh, Ian Glazer from Salesforce. We went to a lot of identity conferences together and we kept having these great conversations and we said, wouldn't it be great if identity had a professional organization? So security has ISACA, privacy has IAPP, but there's nothing for identity where we can hang out between conferences and talk about the issues of the day and the things that we want to accomplish together. And so we formed ID Pro. We started grassroots, we got a bunch of uh, people together, and now we're quite large. We have a lot of corporate sponsors, and uh, we support a conference every year called Identiverse. This year it was in Washington, DC. Uh, a bunch of us got together and did an escape room. We set a world record. This was an alchemy-themed escape room, because uh, we're very smart people. And we also announced that AWS has become a corporate sponsor of ID Pro uh, at the champion member level, which is the most generous level we offer. And that's not just because uh, Jim is very nice to me, which he is. It's because we believe that professional development is incredibly important to the identity community. Uh, we did a survey of all the ID Pro members. The survey was answered by people, uh, most of the people who answered the survey had more than 10 years of experience in this field. And we said, how long did it take you to become proficient in this field? Because there's no undergraduate degree from any accredited institution that can teach you about identity and access management. So we said, how long did it take you to become proficient? Not expert, just merely proficient. The most common answer was 10 to 15 years. And the next most common answer after that was, I still don't feel proficient. That breaks my heart. Identity and access management is such a great field. It's fascinating. It provides a huge amount of value. It's solving problems that affect the entire internet. But it's so difficult to learn. And so ID Pro is building a body of knowledge. Uh, we looked to other communities and we said, what have other people done to get their technologies recognized, to get their fields more into the mainstream? And we looked to project management. Project management wrote a body of knowledge in 1996. And maybe you have never read it, but I bet you know the words Agile and Waterfall and Scrum, because those people did that work back then. We need to do that work now. So we have formed a group of volunteers and hired an editor to put together a body of knowledge for the identity industry that is vendor agnostic. And some of our corporate sponsors said, but if you're building a body of knowledge, it would be really great if you would also put together a certification program because hiring for identity and access management is nearly impossible. And it would be great if we could at least sort resumes and say, this person is proficient and this person has a lot to learn and is going to need to be onboarded. So we're working on a certification program as well. 
Uh, so we're very happy that AWS is a member of ID Pro, and we're very happy as AWS to be supporting the identity community. Great. Yeah, as Sarah said, I mean, there's a lot about the technology and adding new features, but that alone isn't enough. It's getting all of us and all of our teams back home and all the developers to understand how to use them correctly, and that's what's going to give you both the usability and the security that we all need, right? So just going to hit a, a few uh, key takeaways uh, in case this was uh, uh, too fast. You know, one, uh, ask you and your teams to go uh, check out AWS organizations and use it to uh, centrally control access, manage billing, and share resources across your accounts. If you're not using AWS organizations, you're missing out on a lot of controls and guardrails that we're adding in, including a, a lot of other AWS uh, service integrations. Uh, manage your user access centrally via AWS SSO. Uh, you know, if you're managing uh, identities within an IAM account, that's, uh, you're going to find that doesn't scale very well. Uh, go to SSO and, and do things uh, that way. Tagging is not just for billing anymore. Uh, and so use tag policies and try out attribute-based access control. Uh, it doesn't replace role-based access control, but it offers some uh, you know, improved uh, ease of use and ability to reason about uh, security. Uh, and so this may be a, a big uh, simplifier for you and your organizations. Uh, definitely go check out IAM Access Analyzer and Role Last Used and do your screen, uh, spring cleaning uh, to reduce your, any unnecessary permissions. And then ask you to think uh, within your teams and within your organization how you can support building your own community of identity professionals. Uh, perhaps uh, supporting Women in Identity or ID Pro, or uh, creating in internal discussion uh, groups within your, your org. You know, I think a lot of people might get fascinated with the next new, uh, cool new AWS service that Andy uh, launches tomorrow, announces tomorrow. But the key thing for, to get all your developers in your organization to realize is all of them need to understand identity in order to make any of that stuff uh, work. I uh, just want to put a recap of all the new capabilities that we announced today, in case you want to look it up uh, later when you get back to the office. And then uh, we have a number of really exciting breakouts. Uh, this first one is by Becky Weiss, uh, getting started with AWS Identity. Again, she was a top speaker at uh, AWS Reinforce, uh, our security conference. The next one uh, covers topics of AWS organizations in more detail. Uh, SEC 308, if you, wanted to, if you didn't see enough and want to understand more about how all the SAML and SKIM and Azure AD uh, login uh, works, uh, SEC 308 is the one to check out. Uh, Win th uh, 312, uh, if you are currently running Active Directory and want to run uh, uh, AWS Managed Active Directory to let us take care of the scaling and backup and all the administrative muck for you, that's the one to check out. Uh, Bridget Johnson, uh, this was uh, the evolution of the top talk at Reinforce uh, this, this uh, summer. Access Control Confidence uh, is looking into how to do access control in a much deeper level, down to the policy level, looking deeper at ABAC than we could go to today. And then SEC 309, if you want to hear uh, all about the fancy math uh, that went into IAM Access Analyzer, uh, this session uh, should be added uh, today, may have been added uh, earlier today. Uh, and so definitely check them out. Uh, and with that, uh, we just wanted to th thank you for your time.
And uh, please make sure to fill out the surveys as they come up. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.